Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to be mobilized to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. Um, my name's Colt uh, Westbrook, and uh, I do stuff here with worship. used to do youth, and um, we're going to wrap up the giving series today. And I started, I was going to start with um, not really giving like an apology or like a disclaimer, but I feel like giving the opposite of a disclaimer of like, I know we're talking about giving kind of in a strange economic time, but there's really no better time to talk about giving heading into uh, what we feel like could be a strange, wonky economic time. So my full-time job is in the marketplace. So I feel it, you know, like I live it Monday through Friday. Um, what's gonna happen? Are we gonna go into recession? Are we gonna whatever? So what I do is, is, is a direct result of how the economy is doing. How great things are going for me is, is, is how good the economy is shaping up. Um, there's not really a better time to talk about giving because giving really isn't just a submission in, in giving our money because the church needs provision to survive. It's a surrendering of what is already the Lord's and it's a handing over to him of what is already his. And it's a small fraction to say that, God, I understand that all of it is yours and I'm taking a risk in giving this to you in gladness to bless the rest, okay? To sanctify the rest. I don't mean bless the rest like, you give some and more's gonna come down. I'm not, that's not, that's not what we're doing. We're, we're, we're worshiping God. It's a form of worship and adoration for what he's already done. It's a response to what he's already given. It's not a preemptive strike to get more stuff. It is a response to the work that he has done, that he's doing, and that he will do. And he's gonna dress us like the lilies of the field as we go. We don't have to worry about that, okay? So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start out. We're gonna start out, we're gonna jump into the deep end, right? So it's like getting in the pool in May. It's like, it's a little bit cold. It's a deep end. And then as we kind of move through the pool, it's gonna get a little bit more shallow. It's gonna get a little bit more warmer. It's gonna get a little bit more comfortable. Is that okay? So who's ready to jump off the deep end just a little bit? Because we're starting in Malachi, okay? So here we go. We're gonna read this. And the Lord's gonna speak. So this is a conversation between the prophet Malachi. It's a conversation between God and the nation of Israel through the prophet Malachi. So God rescued the Israelites out of Egypt, right? And then there was some trial for 40 years and then we went to the promised land and did everything go really well? 
it did not. It never really went great. You know, it just kind of all went wonky in lots of different ways. Kind of like me. So we're going to read this and see where we're at. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring your full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke and devour. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Now, we are not under that law because of Jesus. And we're not under a curse because Jesus Christ became every curse for us. But Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. So we read this with new eyes, understanding that that spiritual practice is still true. There's still truth here. James says God disciplines those he loves. Does he not? Anybody been disciplined before? (laughs) Some of you are like, no, I haven't. Is that a no? Anybody been disciplined before? Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, you're in the right house. Um, Lord, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? And let me be clear, God doesn't need money. He is so rich. He doesn't need your money. The greatest thing that you can hand over to God is your full self. He wants you. He wants your heart. He doesn't need the PL to, to line up to be black. He doesn't need the balance sheet to balance. He needs, he wants your heart. He wants all of you. And some getting that out of us is us delivering over our finances. So we don't peel our fingers to the earthly so quickly. Um, that same principle applies. Check out Luke 6. It bridges over into the New Testament. Jesus says to us, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure with which you use it, it will be measured back to you. Uh, Back to the Malachi 6. Um, a good commentary. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I have to have it up here. Uh, he says, uh, Bob Utley says in this commentary, and I love this. Um, you know, he talks about that there are three separate tithes taken up 
uh, in the Mosaic Law in different years for different periods, and a lot of them were used for uh, the care and the needs of the temple, special needs mentioned in there for the body, for the nation. Um, and the New Testament speaks more of sacrificial joy, regular proportionate giving rather than a percentage, but also indicates that, that the grace that we have received should exceed what the law has commanded us to do. Does that make sense? The grace that we have received from Jesus should spur us on to surpass what the law is requiring of us to do. So we're gonna talk about how to do that. Uh, but first let's recognize who and what belongs to who. So there's a lot of like, oh, he, he gave me this and then I made something from this. So then I have this thing and I keep this part and give this to him. And so let's just kind of go through some scripture and clear up like how much is God's? How much is ours? What do we get to keep for pleasure and joy? And what do we have to give away to the church? Some of you are nervous about what I'm gonna say next, but just hang with me and we'll figure this little mystery out together. Are you ready? Okay, cool. So let's go to Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. That's pretty clear, right? So all of it's his. Okay, so I'm looking, every piece of land, every person, every resource, it's all his. So then if you're like me, you say, sure, all of it came from God, yes. But then I start building things and I start making things and you know, say like in my job, I make things better and it produces income, I start to think, well, that was my idea. And most of that is mine. I made it from what the Lord gave me, but most of it's mine. He can have 10%, right? Am I alone? No, probably not. Uh, that's how I start thinking. But check this out. There's also scripture, ding, 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 that debunks that for us also. Isn't this great? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, read this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing, it is of the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Pay attention. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. This scripture frees me and frees us from being owed anything from what we build or what we achieve. So the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Okay, got that. Everything comes from God. And then everything that I produce that comes from me is also his. For he predestined, he preordained, he literally designed, 
every good thing that I do after that. Those are all his works. Also, all I'm doing is walking in them. Does that make sense? So it is literally all his. There is now nothing that belongs to me, but I get to be a steward for the master. I get to be a partaker in the grace, in the goodness, in the supply, feeding the demand of the kingdom of God. That's what I get to do. I don't own anything, but he's my dad, right? So any idea, any project, any job, any investment, any uh, investment or strategically parenting a child to become this amazing thing, anything that comes from anything that we do, any reputation that we hold, any good status, any good lunch that we have with somebody, anything that is produced from all those things belongs to the Lord because they are merely righteous acts that he preordained so that we could walk in. So none of it is mine. So what that frees me to do is to peel my grubby, nasty, dirty fingers off of all this stuff, feeling like I am owed anything. And I get to fall into the trust of the Lord Jesus that he is going to provide and he's gonna keep me going on this awesome adventure of being a steward of his really rad stuff, right? Did you say rad stuff? I'm a millennial. His righteousness leads us through the days to do this. His faith leads us through the hours to walk in these acts and all the results that come from these things are all his. They all belong to God. It's our job to do submission and have a life of surrender. And that kind of sounds heavy sometimes, like I surrender all, but man, that's where freedom is. Freedom is, is, is surrendering all. When we say I surrender all, a lot of times we, we sing about just kind of what's in our peripheral when we sing that in a room full of church, which is like my emotions, my heart and my mind, but I surrender all when, you're, when I'm balancing the checkbook or we don't do that anymore. What do we do? Mint, the mint.com. When I'm balancing the mint.com, I surrender all or the online budget system, whatever you have. Anybody still balance a checkbook? Don't raise your hand. Um, <laughs> My parents gave me $1,000 before I went to college. And honestly, like the difference between $1,000 and a million dollars, there was no difference. <laughs> and I, I didn't balance the checkbook my first semester of college because I literally thought I was as endlessly wealthy. And I came home at Christmas and I had overdrawn the account to $328. So yeah, the last thing I bought was like a $400 bike rack. Like, of course that's in there. I just got $1,000. I was buying my friend's groceries. Gracious. My dad was mad. 
super upset. Um, Genesis talks about the first fruits. And I like the word first fruits because honestly, it's, it's like two Fs together. And then in the Bible, it's like one word. And Microsoft thinks it's a misspelling, but Microsoft needs salvation. So <laughs> this is one word and it's redeemed and it's a good word. So the Bible speaks first in, about first fruits in Genesis 4. So it talks about, hey, Cain, hey, Abel, I want you to bring your first fruits to me. I want you to bring the best all them best veggies, the big ripe ones, and the best livestock. God is demanding first fruits from his people. Why? Let's talk about that. Read this, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Read this, I love this next one. Romans eleven sixteen, if the dough is offered as first fruits is holy, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Paul in Romans is here talking about a situation that has to do with salvation for the Jews and Gentiles, but he's pulling from Old Testament theology about the ideology of giving over the first fruits of the first 10% to bless the 90. It's the first holy submitted lump that blesses the whole batch. Does that make sense? That's what a tithe is. It's saying, I trust the Lord that he, one, gave me already what I'm giving over and that he's going to continue to do so. Uh, I have, did I put the other verses up here of all the list? I don't think I did. I don't think I did that. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of verses on first fruits and you just go through the whole Bible and read all of those passages that have that in mind. It starts to like get in your soul and get in your mind. Um, for me personally, thou shalt have no other gods before me, right? So a little confession, one of my gods that I bow down to a lot of the time is travel points right? Um, I, will, I will go to the church of travel points on my computer and just like, where, where can I go with all these points I have, you know? Can I do the Maldives? Maybe, maybe in a year I could do the Maldives. Um, anybody else? No? So what I just, even just a couple months ago, just to talk you through the journey that, that this is constantly ongoing. There's never like a, I've arrived at giving, I'm constantly learning about this. Even just a couple months ago, the Lord convicted me that I had a, a mistress of travel points. And I was tithing to All Saints, but I was using my credit card to do so. And then just, you know, the thing where you do use the credit card and then you pay it off at the end of the month. So you stay out of debt, but you get all those travel points anyway of what you're going to get. But I was tithing with the credit card because, man, that's a lot of points, right? All those points to go to waste. We got to use them. But in reality, are those for, for me? This is for me, guys. You pray about what's for you. But in reality, for me, the church was getting paid by Visa, right? Within the three-day window. It would take three days to pay you. Sounds like Visa. So the church is getting paid by Visa, but then I'm technically not paying that tithe until the end of the month when I pay off the bill. So really it's for me, it wasn't first fruits. It was kind of last fruits. 
and convenient fruits and travel points fruits. And just before that, just being honest, like finances weren't like, they were just kind of confusing. They were kind of wonky. It was like, we, we didn't have any problems like a couple months ago, but it's just, things just feel like they're not working. It doesn't, there's a difference between finances being tight and being complicated. So finances, you can be walking with the Lord and finances can be tight. You can submit everything and that's okay. But sometimes finances can feel confusing and complicated. And I do think that that's a direct result of not cheerfully giving over and submitting over our financial tithe and giving first fruits unto the Lord. And I'll tell you what, after I started doing that, things just kind of got normal. They kind of got ironed out and it didn't feel as wonky and confusing. After I switched from doing greedy travel points, now I'm not saying that's for you, but for me, like travel point grabbing, using the church to do that, after I freed myself from that, there was an ease that came after I just submitted straight up cash to the Lord, my first fruits, bi-weekly when my paycheck comes in. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. I want to read this from, uh, I do want to say this. This isn't bringing law into your house, okay? Jesus came to fulfill the law, right? We are now free from the law. This is, this is bringing order into your house. This is bringing submission to the Lord Jesus into your home. This isn't bringing law, this is bringing order. And God loves order. Tithe is very specific. Um, throw that quote up from Richard Foster from Celebration of Discipline. Our freedom in the gospel, our freedom in the gospel does not mean license. It means opportunity. So there's freedom from the law. And now there's opportunity to literally be participants in the kingdom of God with Jesus. So the resurrected Jesus says, good news for you, I and the Father are one, so now everything that is mine belongs to you. Read this, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But just as you excel in everything and lead the way in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in genuine concern, I love that one, and in your love for us, see to it that you excel in this gracious work of giving also. He's calling us to excel in giving. Paul is writing this um, inspired by the Old Testament theology and, and practices of tithing and offering and sacrifices, but also from the very heart of Jesus. It was very important to Jesus as well. Um, 16 out of 38 parables from Jesus were about money and stewardship. And it's not because we need, God needs money. It's because he's, he desires our hearts. The greatest thing we can ever give God is our full selves. And sometimes money 
finances feels the hardest to hand over. And that's why it's a big deal. It's an invitation to freedom. It's not a heavy burden to be born. It's an invitation for more freedom in God, to trust him. Read this from, straight from the heart of Jesus. Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, 19. Do not lay for yourselves do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. I think that this is talking about covetousness right here. The eye, so we covet with things that we mainly see a lot of the time. And covetousness, it's number 10, right? It's like the last one. And so it kind of gets looked over in the Ten Commandments. But man, it will consume you and ruin you. So don't forget number 10, thou shalt not covet. The eye is the lamp. And I say that as an invitation for freedom. The Ten Commandments is all about freedom. It's not a law. It's this is the law of heaven. And this is what you can practice to have freedom in God. Okay, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's an invitation to store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And listen, it's not a fantasy story. The kingdom of God is not a, a science fiction novel. We are going to show up in fullness and it is going to be more real than the room that we're in right now. And we are going to wake up to a full, cognizant reality that has always been. So when he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, he means it because he knows it's going to be good. Does that make sense? it is gonna be more real than the room that we are in right now. I, I just have this list right here on things that I invest in. Uh, and these aren't bad things, but they get out of order. So um, I, my treasures on the earth, like I spend money on my house, um, uh, obsess over projects, you know, that cost more money than like I really kind of wanna do. Uh, and uh, like kids' development, like how much money do we spend and, and our kids doing specific things, uh, if they're doing all the right things, like in my mind, in my, my unsaved, broken mind, I'm like, well, they gotta be doing a sport and they've gotta be doing an art at the same time, you know? And I kind of have that ideology of like, I gotta keep that going or they're gonna, I don't know. There's freedom from that for me. Uh, there's also things that, that we put lots of money to, just investments or hobbies or like the endless thing in my community is just like cycling. 
You can always spend more money on gadgets to, to cycle with. Or maybe for you, it's skincare, or maybe it's, it's cars and constantly obsessing over what we can do with our cars. And then, and then another line item on the expense budget is tithe and investing in things in the kingdom. Now, these are all not bad things, but when they are out of order and when they are not brought into subjection under the Lord Jesus, they are bad things, right? So we're not gonna hide our finances from the kingdom of God and from the work of the Lord. We are gonna bring our finances into subjection under King Jesus and then he's gonna bless the 90. He's gonna make it work. He's gonna make it good. Um, God is inviting you with this into a full life, into an obedient life. Um, he wants to give us his fullness. And we give over our full selves to experience his fullness. Does anybody want his fullness? Do you want to experience his fullness? Well, it starts, with, it starts with laying down our full selves to experience his fullness. Okay. Let's go to... I do want to read this real quick. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through 8. Each of you should give what you have decided to give in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to do and bless abundantly so that in all things, at all times, you have all that you need. You will abound in every good work. I was sitting in 2010 in this room and uh, we were, we had like maybe one, or we were about to have one, I think we had one child. And so we, you know, we used to be like double income, no kids, be like sushi every week. Um, but uh, we went down to one income and one kid. And then and I was like, we're poor. So uh, we, I was sitting in this room and I had $280 in my checking account, but I knew that the tithe that month was 310 and fear came over me. And I was scared. I was like, oh gosh, I mean, I got to give this 310. Because I got to bring my finances under subjection. And I was scared of what was going to happen if I didn't submit everything to the Lord. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to write the check. I'm going to drop it in the offering plate. And we used to do that. And you know what God did for me? I overdrafted. <laughs> Straight up. Negative $110, you know? I wish the story ended better, but it doesn't. And he's using that to say, I don't want givers out of compulsion, out of fear, out of emotionalism, or out of guilt. I don't want givers out of fear, out of emotionalism, out of compulsion, and out of guilt. I need cheerful givers because it's not about giving money. It's about giving our full hearts under the Lord Jesus. Does that make sense? I'm not overdrawn today. So how do we do this now with tithes, offerings, and sacrifices? So uh, yeah, tithes and offerings are a barometer of our love for God and our understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our tithes are, and offerings and sacrifices are a barometer for our love for God 
and our understanding of what he has already done for us. I know that slide has a typo. I didn't fix it, but I love you anyway. Just want you to know I respect you. Go to the table real quick. So this is, this is its own teaching and for many reasons, but this is a lot of uh, Old Testament and New Testament uh, theology on giving packaged into a nice Excel table. Well, I think in Excel tables. So, uh, and it's sorted from ascending order into column C. So um, where do we start? We start with tithes. Tithe is the training wheels. So biblically, historically, tithing is about a tenth of what you receive. Now, some of you are going to pray. If a tenth seems unreal, pray about it. I'm not going to say like, take the week off. I'm going to say, ask the Lord Jesus what you are supposed to give and stick to it through the years, through the months. You don't need to be asking him, okay, how much this month, God? Stick to it. Just find a number with you and the Holy Spirit in scripture and stick with it. That's the training wheels, okay? Once we experience that he's taking care of us, and we go, oh, God really does have everything. We're gonna move into offerings. And offerings is anything over 10%. It might be a thing that this church needs to do the kingdom work. It might be something that your city, our city is doing to bring justice and reconciliation to the earth. There are lots of things that we can offer up that has passed the 10%. This is where grace giving gets engaged and you fully start to understand the gospel of Jesus and you respond by giving freedom to people who need it through finances. And then maybe you're great at those first two things. Well, then we're being called, we're being called into sacrifice. Being, and a sacrifice is a weighty giving. It means that I'm giving this over and I feel it. That's a kid, this is a kidney for me, right? I'm sacrificing and I'm giving this over because God is leading me to and trusting me to. And I'm also trusting that he's gonna give me joy on the other end, that after I give this sacrifice, he's gonna meet me. We think a lot of the times that our expenses need to grow with our income, but for Christians, not just for radical Christians, just for normal Christians who understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, we grow in our giving, not in our spending. We grow in our giving, not in our spending. Does that make sense? There's grace. Now here's the deal. There's grace and there's mercy. There's grace and mercy and forgiveness for all of us, for me, for withheld tithes and offerings. The same grace, mercy, and forgiveness is not an excuse to continue walking in disobedience in this subject, right? There's grace and forgiveness for withheld tithes and offerings, but it is not an excuse to keep walking in disobedience, withholding tithes and offerings from the Lord. He wants your heart. Not by my might, but by your power. By your spirit. Jesus, will you lead us? Yeah, will you lead us? I'm gonna pray while it's gonna come up, it's gonna lead us through communion. God, we submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus and everything and recognize that the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Everything is yours, God.
And we thank you. We say that with the weight of the truth that it is, but we say that in joy. We say that in gratitude because if it was ours, it wouldn't go well. So we thank you that it's all yours and that you take care of us. It's in Jesus' name, amen.